Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Three Beers in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neil. And where are we tonight, Barry? <laughs> where, where we always are. We are in the Raven. In the Raven. A quiet Raven. A Lonely Hearts Raven tonight. It is a Lonely Hearts Raven. Very odd, it's been empty. Getting to the end of the month. Middle, middle of the month. Middle of the month. month people, no money. Yes. We still have money. But nicely the Raven, they gave us free drink tonight because they think we have no money. And we're not complaining because it's we'll, one of our favourite drinks. Yes, they gave us some Cold Town beer on the house. So we're Colin be, is missing a treat tonight. Colin is missing his free beer tonight. Hopefully Colin will one day join us and hopefully don't give him free beer because he's missed it so often. <laughs> um, before that, you were drinking something much different. What were you drinking beforehand? Yes, it's something new that I've just noticed in my fridge tonight. It's called Lucky Jack. Uh, it's an American pale ale and it's brewed by Lerbrick. Akebaka Jerry. Aye, that was close enough. Good, yeah. From Stavin... Stavanger. Stavanger, Norway. Yeah, it, yeah. it tastes nice. It's nice. It does actually taste very American. It actually doesn't take yeah. it, it doesn't taste a kick in the ass off of something like Blue Moon. Yeah. It's got that yeah. same kind of that kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's nice. Nice wee rough kick to yeah. it. Yeah. I've noticed you said as well that they've got some new cans in, some new interesting. Yeah. And try them in the coming weeks. We will try, we'll try a few more, but they have kept a few of the favourites. They've got the Atlantic Pale Ale still up there. Yes. I yes. noticed. And they have Blue Moon on tap, which is now working, so I had that tonight, which is obviously Lovely, nice and enjoying slice it. Of orange in it as well. It's just—it's a cocktail essentially. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a manly cocktail. It's a manly cocktail, and I can drink it. And also, counts as one of my five a day. So everything, everything works out. Um, so drinking that, you're drinking Lucky Jack, but we are right now on the cold town because, like I said, freebie drink, and we we'll all enjoy a free cold town. Absolutely, can't beat that. Anything tastes better when it is free. That is 100 true. Um, but before we start the cinema viewing, we have to basically we have to acknowledge something that happened this week, and that is the passing of a cinematic legend, the most successful producer of all time. Really? He's an executive producer on everything. Oh, yeah. So he's... Yeah. So that is, of course, Stan Lee, who passed away on Wednesday? No, Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, age 95. Mm-hmm. Um, goes without saying, I'm a massive comic book fan, so this hit me pretty hard. Yes. Um, Stan Lee's been the guy who's always been the sort of guy who tracked, like, big comics up. Um, certainly, like, back when I was younger, like, comics have became kind of cool all of a sudden again. Mm. But when I was younger, they, they weren't. No. They weren't cool. No, they were definitely not mainstream. Uh-huh. And e- even, I would say, even in my later teens... Oh, yeah. They still weren't mainstream either. Oh, no. It was, it's it, like, it was, it was almost like when Marvel it, managed to finally hit the nail in the head. X-Men. Okay, yeah. X-Men. Yeah. When they finally managed to get a good one in the cinema, that's when I started seeing the kind of explosion around it. Yeah. But, maybe, yeah. Maybe you would have seen a slower, gradual increase Absolutely, that yeah. But, but, yeah. But, yeah, but when I was, when I was in high, like, primary school, certainly in high school, even in my first few years at university, like, comic books were not, were really not a thing. No. Um, but Stanley was that one guy who constantly, you know, sort of, was, was the face of comic books, so if he, he said it's like, it's, it's okay to read this stuff, you know, it's, it's good stuff and it's good storytelling. Yeah. And, the amount of stuff that he put out it's just it's phenomenal like yeah. it is everything you know of comic book lore yeah. is from Stan Lee you know the entire Marvel Universe is all Stan Lee that's all came from him which is um, phenomenal uh-huh. I love the fact how like pretty much in the early days of his career at Marvel he was just left in a room pretty much yeah. by himself to run a, to run wild with at his 18 ideas. years old yeah. Yeah. he took over the timely comics at 18 years old mm-hmm. and it did and turned it into what it is now. Obviously, he left Marvel at some point, but his legacy still remained there. And yeah. he was he was a hallmark of quality, yeah. you know, throughout throughout his life. Um, and it's really sad because, like, towards the end of his life, there was a lot of yeah, nastiness a, because of like his yeah. family taking advantage of him and things like that. Which is such a shit move. Yeah, you can expect strangers to try and pull that shit, but see when it's your own family, family. that is. That's low. And, like, and I did notice, like, Stanley, like, he's been an old man for, for as long as we've known him. Yeah. Um, it's only in the last two or three years he became looking like an old man, I thought. And act, yeah, and acted like an old man, man yeah, 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 yeah. And I think a lot of that came out of the fact that his wife passed away quite recently. Yeah, so that would that accelerate things. That seemed to take away a light in his life. That she seems to be the sort of the, the person in his life he sort of he, that was that was his life. That was the person that he loved and adored and she was the light of his life. And when yeah. she went away, passed away, that sort of you seen you seen Stanley turn into an old man at that point, I thought he sort of he, he lost something about the Stanleyness of him. Yeah, yeah. Um but everything about him, just, I thought, just, he was he's so energetic, so, so much love for everything. Mm. And I've looked at like, online over like, Tuesday, Wednesday, like everyone took pictures of them meeting Stanley, you know, yeah. celebrities, non celebrities. And the thing I noticed was 
even if you're if you're like a five year old kid, if a five year old kid or a thirty year old man or fuck the rock, mm. no one looked unhappy no. when they were meeting Stan Lee. No. Everyone of them looked fucking absolutely delighted they were meeting him. I've always kinda of got the feeling I, I never met Stan Lee, never even close to meeting him, but I was when you see pictures like that where everyone's always like super happy, mm. I always got the feeling that He's the type of fella that just as the picture's about to be taken, he quickly tickle you or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Just so you would end up looking really stupid in the uh-huh. photo, you know. But he seemed like a guy who generally seemed to love his fan base, yeah. and he seemed to he seemed to enjoy and he seemed to enjoy this like sort of almost third act of his career where he went from like the guy who was doing Marvel to sort of the guy and our guy who was sort of he was maybe struggling to make comics big again, and then he became the guy who was like sort of the focal point of all yeah. the industry. Yeah. And people seem to love him for that as a sort of old grandfather type figure. He seems he seemed to really embrace and enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. His, the fruit of his labour from like say 60 odd years ago were finally coming through in a big, big, massive way, and he seemed yeah. to really embrace it in a big way. Yeah. And um, everybody just seemed to really, it's a genuinely nice man, and I'm not, I didn't get any bad stories about no. him. No, a while back it was a shame when all that stuff started coming out about his family and all that. And no, but I mean him personally doing something back, yeah. I never heard no, of no, that. No, 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 no. But it just shows you the kind of impact they had on people's life when there was like, uh, you had Kevin Smith pretty much willing to open his door to him and let him live yeah. with him just to keep these folk away from yeah. Stan. You know, it's like, there's not many people in the world, especially not in the celebrity universe, that would... That would do that for someone else that's in the same like, oh. so that kind of shows you what type of person oh. he was you know and the, the outpouring I saw online was pretty much nothing but love from every point of where I said look somebody didn't agree with his decisions but everything he did was from a place of love and he wanted to do it didn't have done anything spiteful or angry yeah. or to be nasty he was a guy who seemed to genuinely love what he was doing Yeah, yeah. Um, also now he's known for his cameos mm. like, and pretty much everything um, have you got a favourite Stanley cameo? I always prefer the more subtle ones. Yes, I agree. I'm with you. I'm not a huge fan of like the more blatantly obvious ones. Um, I don't think I've got like one particular favourite. Okay. Anything that involves maybe him just being slightly there. Right, okay. Or someone bumps into him or something like that and he, or whatever. Like in Daredevil when he stops Daredevil crossing the road? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, Daredevil stopped him crossing the road. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. That. yeah, yeah. Something like that, you know. Yeah. Not like a, you Stanley. Yeah. You know what I mean? See, for mine it's, um, that's an acting role. I like when mole rats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Can, can he's playing Stanley, but he's playing like Stanley who doesn't, who's different from Stanley. Like he has, he loves love as opposed to loving comics. And I thought okay. it's, it's a really sweet way of doing Stanley. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like, he's like, he's not really, he's not really interested in comedy. What he wants is to see people in love. And I'm like, oh, I like the idea that Stanley's some sort of like Cupid's angel. Yeah. Like just looking over the world, trying to find love where it, wherever it blossoms. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I could talk for hours about Stanley about how much I love him, how much he meant to me, and we could probably do it for another podcast. But just the idea that he was, that he did so much in his life and. Someone put up on Twitter the idea that said someone said basically I think it was maybe Charlie Brooker actually was talking to his wife and she said and his wife said to him something along the lines of Stanley was born in 1922 and he died in 2018 he was 95 years old and your 14 year old daughter is upset that he's died and that tells you something about who the man was like, yeah. like he lived for that long and kids now are oh, upset yeah, yeah. yeah he had that much of an impact apart from maybe maybe, maybe apart from Walt Disney mm. there's probably no one else's impact on pop culture. No. In the same way that Stanley has. No. You know, he has sort of that iconic, that iconic picture. And then his work will live on for the next, you know, 100 years. Oh. And beyond, probably, yeah. yeah. You know, this, this this is not going to end anytime soon, and, and gladly it won't. I just, I really just hope that people, like lawyers or whatever, that end up looking after his estate, work, work the angles to keep all the folk that will try to fuck him over. Away from the money? Yeah. That's what I hope as well. I hope they come out with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. in my mind, I hope Stanley puts his money into charity. Yeah, you, you know, know, why not? Why not, yeah. Rather than giving it away to some prick who would try to bleed him dry when he's alive. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I hope as well. So, good. We'll have a drink for Stanley today. Yes. 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 Oh, sad to see Stanley go. Say. I can't see this being the end of cameos. I feel like Marvel... He's got three filmed, I think. Yeah. He can do a thing. He's got three more ready to go. Even after that, I think what will end up happening is you end up seeing, like, posters or billboards yes. yeah, or yeah, some, yeah. something subtle like that if they don't run with the... What all the fans are wanting is the Deadpool angle eh, of Deadpool dressing up as Stan Lee to do cameos in all the all the Marvel movies. I would support that. Yeah, so that. only if Ryan Reynolds is in the suit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. has to be Ryan Reynolds in the suit. He has to do it himself personally. <laughs> in that case, yes, I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, but we'll, move, we'll, we'll move on from that onto some onto cinema. 
Um, like a Stanley second producer of all time. He has something like twenty billion dollars he's made. Oh man. What a man. Um, <laughs> have you watched anything non-cinematic this week of interest? I've been watching a Happy Place. No. Good Place. Good Place. And you enjoying a Good Place? I am. It is. It's my new twenty-two minute show. Show. And so. how far into it are you right now? Uh, heading into the halfway point of uh, season two. It is. And you enjoying it? I am. It's fantastically well done. Stacey's not enjoying it as Seriously? much. Seriously? Yeah, she thinks it's a bit silly. But was she uh, a Parks and Rec fan? She is, yeah. Because the same guy done she Parks and Rec. She absolutely loves uh, Ron Swanson. Ah, uh-huh, because the guy done Parks and Rec. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same guy. And uh, the US Office. Oh, I didn't know he done US Office. I know he done Parks and Rec. Yeah. Oh, he, okay. he done like, both of them. And oh, then wow. he's also done something else which now escapes me. Okay. Uh, what I'm excited about, if you're a Parks and Recreation fan, is I seen them the other day. Just randomly was. Um, Little Sebastian? Yes. Yes. There's going to be a crossover. Yes. And I'm very pumped about this. I'm really hoping that they give Little Sebastian the same amount of love in the happy place as they do in Parks and Rec. I am more in the Little When it comes to Little Sebastian and Parks and Rec, I am more in the... In the is it... Is it who's, the, who's the guy in it? Adam Brody? Not Adam Brody. Yeah, it's Adam Brody. He's like, I just... I don't get it. What? It's just a little yeah, horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that you? I'm, I'm, all, I'm going, it's just a fucking little horse. I don't really get why people love it so much. Um, but the fact that even Ron Swanson loves Little Sebastian and he like will not hear anything bad against it, he's like, yep, <laughs> like, yep. Um, you, good could, you could see something like that happening in a small town America. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. You know, they accidentally, well, you hear it all the time. They accidentally, well, not accidentally, but they nominate a dog to be their mayor. Yeah, because it's like this dog beloved but in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> oh, back to the good place. It's a weird film where a, a weird TV show where a woman has died. Sorry, I should yeah. tell the premise. Yeah, she goes to. She goes to heaven. Yes. In heaven, she's not supposed to be there because they basically mix up with someone else who did die who should be there. Who's got the same name, name. as that and they died at the mall. But at the same the, time. The person that runs that tiny part of heaven or whatever, they don't get a picture of the people, uh-huh. so they are only going on names yep. and where they died. So this is how the mix-up yeah. happens. So she's now got to basically pretend that she's good in order to remain in the good place. Yes. And she's not a good person. She's she's middle of the road. She's, she's not, mean at times. She, yes, but she's not inherently mean. She, uh, she's she's not like that. She's she, not nasty, but she just she just she's selfish. I think the best way yes. to describe her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She thinks, thinks of herself before anyone else. Yes. Um, and it's basically the story of her trying to remain in the good place, and yeah. then the story goes on from there. And don't, don't want to spoil it because it, it, it moves on from there. I did like the the way the. I won't spoil it. Uh, the way season one ends and then the way season two starts, yep. I was like, perfect. Perfect, yep. Because I felt it was a... Uh, if it had kept the same premise from the first season, re- rolling into the second yep. season, I felt it could have became very stale because this is a... Uh, this is like 12, 13 episodes yep. a season yep. show, so there's not a lot going on there, no. but I felt it could become stale really Possibly. quickly. But what happens between the end and the start of yep. the second season... Fucking perfect. I will say season three that's on the snow is halfway through it. I'm not as big fan of it. Okay. It seems a bit weaker. They seem to have lost a little bit of their way with it. Yep, yep. Understandable. I hope there is a right of the ship at some point. Yes. Still very funny at times, still yep. very so really good at times, but at times it's like it's not quite the same magic and zeal uh, as the first two seasons. But the first two seasons I think are absolutely fantastic comedy. Yep. So well done, so well structured. Ted Danson's fantastic in it, Kristen Bell's fantastic in it as well. Also I just uh, learned the other day as well that he wears a toupee. Ted Danson? Yes. That is hurtful. I assumed that was real hair. So did I. That is that is hurtful to know. Yeah. That's Stacey was like, he's bald, and I'm like, he's not fucking bald. bald yeah. Google will answer this relationship dilemma here. So are there <laughs> pictures on Google of Ted dancing bald? No. That's we don't want to see that. Apparently he was going bald at the end of Cheers. And then, hell, that's a while ago. That was a while, a while ago. ago. And then so he's bald in like two and a half and um, look who's talking and stuff. Not look who's talking, four men, two men, three men, a little lady. Don't know. Don't know. But yeah. he did say in interviews and all that that when it started to go badly he just ended up just getting a toupee and, and just you with it yeah but the, the fellas get some money so it's like good looking toupee you know I, mean, I, I did not suspect at all either did and that. he's let it change he put it, he's now it's a grey one now so yeah. he's, not, he's going for the white silver fox and that's the idea about it as well hey it works for him Ted, I mean I know women at work who, who adore Ted Dance you know women who are half his age who would gladly you know give Ted Dance a bounce you yeah. know so 
it's things working from Ted yeah. Nelson. Ted Nelson got something going on. Maybe I should get one. Yeah, possibly. I mean, for all the listeners, I am as bald as a cucumber, so. <laughs> and I'm quickly getting there. <laughs> 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 you go with Ted Danson, wig. Um, <laughs> Next week. <laughs> yeah, both was Ted Danson up. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a fantastic show. It's really worth yes. watching. It's all on Netflix. Yes. Uh, season three is dropping week to week. So Aye, that's what I was going to say. So my friend should, told me that. Should be finished probably the time you get to it. You should be able to watch all in one go. Nice. Um, but yeah, very funny, very clever. If you like Parks and Rec, I think you'll like it a lot. Oh, yeah, totally. It's definitely in that wheelhouse of just that kind of comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really Very s- easy watching, and because it's only 12 or 13 episodes or whatever it is, there's not a lot of fluff in it. No. Way, it what you find with a lot of the larger series, like the 24 episodes or whatever, you know, so oh. that's good. Yeah, every episode it's pushing the story along. It, it, it so, pace, yeah, it's yeah, moving yeah. at a real pace. So that's what's good. What about yourself? Have you been watching anything? The only thing I've watched at home is something called Batman Ninja. Is this like a, is this like an animation? Yes. Like a Lego crossover. No, thing? not Lego. No. It's just okay. a, it's just a standard DC animation. So basically, Batman gets sent back in time to feudal Japan. Um, right. And okay. all, all the uh, he gets sent back, but two years back. But basically, he all gets sent back at the same time. Him and the bad guy get sent back for this. There's reasons they get sent back. Okay. Okay. There's reasons. Yeah. It's too, it's too comic book to go into, right? They yeah. get sent back in time. But the baddies arrive two years before him. Okay. So while they're there, they basically set up sort of kingdoms in Japan, and they go. They're all at war. Weeks, they're all at war to try and control Japan. So you got the Joker, you've got Poison Ivy, you've got Two Face, Deadshot, um, all sort of in control of Japan with um, Grodd as well, and also you've got Catwoman. She's not. She's like sort of living there as well, and Alfred is somehow there as well. We don't really understand, but Alfred is there. Robin, Nightwing, everyone that the mark that DC cast is is there. Cool. Okay. Um, once they go back in time, Batman has got to defeat them to also gain access to a time machine thing that will take them back to the future, I guess, is the way to put it. Yep. Um, but it's all done by Japanese animation, Japanese animators. It's all in Japanese as well. Oh, wow, okay. It's really impressive. And it's, it's Japanese writing team, Japanese director, so it's, it's very much um, Japan, like a, Jap- a Japanese perspective take on the Batman mythos. Cool. It's very, very good. I really enjoyed it. Some people didn't like it that much, but I was kind of hesitant to watch it, but I absolutely loved it. Cool. It's done very much a Japanese animation style for good chunks of it. Um, Batman looks amazing when he's a samurai. You're like, well, that's the way Batman kind of should be. You know, look at the samurai, the helmet, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, okay, um, yeah. There's, there's a segment maybe about halfway through it where they go to, like, sort of, to very, sort of, like, almost that style of Japanese animation. You see, it's like, um, they're very airbrushy kind of anime sort of very like, I can't remember this name for the style I've seen it in all movies before with the Joker and Harley Quinn and it's some of the most beautiful animation I've seen in a, yeah. in a comic book or even in animation ever. it's absolutely stunning to look at it's like a lot of that manga stuff just absolutely blows me away it's not as much ma- the, the ending is more manga okay um, but the beginnings it's sort of it's more it's more like see Kill Bill right see okay. Kill Bill when it goes to the animation yeah, it's yeah. more than that kind of style yeah, it's such a cool art uh-huh. form. It's like the amount of like effort that's put into it is yeah. phenomenal. You um, know? It's about an hour and forty minutes long, but it's worth the hour and forty minutes. Cool. Like absolutely a chance. It's on Netflix. Oh. Sit down and watch it. It's an absolutely cracking piece of filmmaking. Cool, cool. Um, and I think it's one of the it's made for I think it's, it's all subtitled as well, so it's made for um, adults, it's not really made for kids as much. And it plays as such. The only the only downside of it would be that because you get the Seven Kingdoms, you don't really get enough time with all the villains. You could either make a short, like a seven-parter, you know, with Batman dealing with each individual sort of like province, right? Rather than do it all the all in the one movie. Okay. But other than that, absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely loved it. Would you think it would work better as uh, as a series? Maybe maybe as a series, or maybe like a three-parter, something like yeah. you know, something along those lines, like a wee three-part, like sort of mini-series, something okay. along those lines. But definitely, it's. I would say I was blown away by it. I sat and watched it, and I kind of. In a dull Sunday afternoon, I absolutely was in love with it. I absolutely thought it was absolutely excellent. Cool. Definitely to watch. Good. Uh, sorry, is this a Netflix made thing? No. no, no, it's just DC made it and they put it on Netflix. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. so it's just there. They have to be there. Um, so we're going to the films now. Uh, yes. They're in the cinema. Well, most of them are in the cinemas now. Um, the first one is kids' animation called The Grinch, um, directed by Yarrow Cheney, who directed Secret Life of, who's a co-writer of Secret Life of Pets, and our man Scott Mosier, who is his debut animation feature, mm-hmm. but he is a producer, Kevin Smith's producer. Yes. Um, done, you know, Clerk, Small Rats, Dogma, Chase Amy, Jason Allen, Bob Straight Back, Jersey Girl as well. So he's been with Kev for a while. Yeah. Uh, also is the co-runner of um, Smodcast. Yes. Which, huge fans of Smodcast. Absolutely. Yeah. 
um, one of the funniest motherfuckers on the planet, and this is his chance to step up to the big time. The plotline is, is what you expect, it's the Grinch story, it's a very faithful retelling of the yeah. Grinch story, it's not not deviating much from it, you know, the Grinch is a, a creature who lives above a town, the town loves Christmas, he hates Christmas, he wants to swallow Christmas and then obviously other things happen. Yeah. yeah. And the film you've got Benedict Cumberbatch playing the Grinch, um, Sheila Jones is playing the sort of main Whovillian, Whovillian? Whovillian? Yeah. yeah, I don't know, yeah. Whovillian? Anyway, yeah, Pharrell um, <laughs> Williams is the narrator of the, sh- of the thing, and Keenan Thompson from Keenan and Kel plays, I want to say he plays... Mr. Brickleback? Yes, yes. he plays him. Um, what do you think of it? I liked it. Yeah. I'm just fresh out of the cinema before mm. meeting yourself to see it, so it's still fresh in my mind. I liked it. I don't know much of the Grinch story. Okay. Uh, Other than the Jim, Jim Carrey version, basically? Yeah. yeah. What, I did, what I did know before going into the movie was that they had left out a very important line from the actual like, uh, book. Okay. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's one of. The, I think it's. It must be at the bit when the Grinch starts like understanding that there's more to Christmas than just presents okay. and toys and all that kind of okay. stuff. Uh, and it's a very famous line that talks about. It's more about family and all oh, that yeah, kind of stuff. Had all that stuff in it. I no, that, that there's one line that they've missed. Oh, okay. Um, so there's that, but once again, I didn't know. I only found that out two days ago from another okay. podcast. The only other thing that I found that was just I wasn't interested in was, unfortunately, was uh, Pharrell Williams being the narrator. Did buy it, didn't like it. He just doesn't have a narrator's voice. Now he hmm. he pushes the story on. Yes, he does. That's his that's his role. Yeah, that's his role. But I found that anything he was talking. I was thinking about other things because he doesn't have a voice that commands, like that commands you to pay attention to it. And I've been to see you for that. I think you're right. He has got. It's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's very non-distinct. Not yeah. A, yeah. Like if they had, say, for example, the obvious one, if they had Morgan Freeman doing it, for oh. example. Oh. You know, that's something like that. Some, someone. I think it's something else you would have nowadays. You would do it. You can go. Oh, right, that's the voice you want to hear doing it. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. It's, it's not a particularly interesting voice to be doing no. it. No. Um, I was thought you made something like Lin Manuel Miranda, the guy who does Hamilton and does yeah. Moana. His voice might be more suited to it. It was sort of more lyrical. Yeah. And going along with that. Um, Outside of that, that was my only. Well, one of them was because I heard it before going in. If I didn't know that before, it wouldn't even. It'd just be that one thing about yeah. Pharrell Williams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it. You know, I think kids will absolutely hoover this up. And yeah. I don't know if it will come out now before Christmas on DVD or whatever. Mm, probably not. Probably not, but in years to come, I can see kids putting this on time and time again. Oh, yeah. It, it's a very solid, family-friendly yeah. adaptation. It's like it's not breaking any new ground whatsoever. It's, no. a, it's, it's a faithful retelling of the story yeah. and does it as you expect it to be done. This will, in the coming years, I feel this will definitely be a solid on-the-TV rotation. Ah, yeah. Come Christmas time, yeah. it will definitely be on the back. Would I, you rather watch this one or the Jim Carrey version? It's been so long since yeah. the gym kit is hard. It's hard for me to pick and choose. Uh, I picked this one because I think Jim Carrey. I think Jim Carrey one which I think him freaking scary. Okay. But like, I don't, I don't, like, like I said, it's been years. I'd yeah. have to go back and watch, watch it. it. Um, what I did, what I did like was I thought the little girl character, uh, Cindy Lou. Yeah. She was fucking adorable. She was. She was. All the Hoovians all the Hoovians are very adorable. And yeah, yeah. Particularly the young kids. Yeah, yeah. They're even more adorable. Yep. They're just utterly beyond cute as cute. The, the, the moment when she comes down the stairs and she's got on like the like fifty layers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she falls over and then she's stuck on a wee backpack and yeah. all that. I was that, that was me. I, at that point, I was like, right, okay, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, what did you think about it? I'm much the same as you. I thought it was a nice, solid, family-friendly adaptation. Does not break any new ground whatsoever. Like I've seen this story told in many different ways before, either in comics and stories and on the TV versions, cinematic versions, and also when the story is so well done. Like you know, Doctor Seuss is, is, a, is beloved for a reason. Yeah, yeah. He tells a good story. You know, it's like why would you want him in any way sort of want to mix it up? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like when doing your people do a Roald Dahl story. Yeah. Just do it as it is because it's like it's fucking good for a reason and it's perfect. Yeah. And it's lived for so long because of that reason. I did like all the week. Not so much Easter eggs, but if you know the Doctor Seuss 
universe. I liked it how there was a lot of these characters getting like they were made by the uh, Hoovians and uh -huh. they were getting taken to the big giant tree as yeah, ornaments. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's like it's got a wee bit of there for people who are fans of yeah. the, this Dr. Seuss world. Yeah, yeah. I thought the animation was very much in the style you expect to be. Very kiddie friendly. Mm -hmm. Not trying to be not trying to be overly clever. No. No real I wouldn't say it was breaking new ground again with animation. It wasn't like say Pixar doing something totally different, no. you know, and or doing something you've never seen before. It was very much in the ballpark of what you know what you're getting if you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. It, but totally fine. Yeah. Absolutely they, they made a great little universe. Mm -hmm. You know. It's yeah, solid animation. Yeah, and if, like, if they were to continue this universe in that style and that universe on by say doing something like, you know, the Lorax mm -hmm. or anything else, or Cat in the Hat, something along those lines. You'd absolutely watch something with that. Yeah. Um, this is like one of the first. Uh, this is maybe one of the first outside of maybe the Despicable Me movies. This is maybe one of the first uh, Illumination. Is that the company? Illumination, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Illumination uh, movies that I've seen outside the Cat Minion franchise. You don't see Secret Life of Pets? I did actually. Aye, sorry. Did all the others have a short movie in the beginning? Know how this one had that short Minions movie? There's a short movie before one of the Minions, not maybe one of the other films. Because I remember Jill laughing her ass off at the, the short movie, like to the point where I had to almost take it out of the cinema because she was choking with laughter. Have a brown bag and breathe. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah. She was like, she was, uh, this what the wee short before one I thought was quite funny. Yeah. It was quite cute. It was lovely. Um, I think they're obviously taking that from the, the Pixar thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I've always enjoyed that about Pixar, the fact that they have the little short. Absolutely. And I was actually quite disappointed. I think was it Coco? Yes. Didn't have one. Yeah, yeah. Because it was supposed to be the Olaf film, and then obviously they restarted its own separate thing with Frozen. Mm -hmm. so you didn't get the, the film before, and I thought, oh, I, I can I, I grew used to having that. Yeah. That we, you know, yeah. kind of, we kind of starter before the film. Yeah, and yeah. Some of the starters that Pixar do are brilliant. They're oh, absolutely like, phenomenal. Like stunning pieces of filmmaking yeah. in their own right. So, and this was nice because like people, I've, like the kids, kids. I mean, I don't get it, but kids love Minions. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, it's, it's, I don't understand what they're real attracting. People, are, Jill I, likes my job, but kids absolutely adore minions. So I think it's, I think it's a subtle blend of them kind of speaking a kind of weird, broken French gibberish, gibberish. Uh, but there's enough in there that can hooks you, and yeah. you kind of almost know what they're saying. But uh, nah, I, I, I don't get it. But yeah, kids, kids do love minions. So, and obviously, the Illumination Studio knows their the brand, and they know we've got to do this. Um, so out of 10 would you give it? Solid 7. 7? I would go 6.5. Cool. Yeah, what do you think of boy Scott Moser done well? He done well. And we're proud? For his first outing, absolutely. I was proud. Um, yeah. Aye. Aye, solid 7. I'll go 6.5. But yeah, here we go. So on the second film of this evening, um, the one you've not seen actually. Oh. It's a film called Wildlife. Yes. Uh, directed by Paul. I would call him Dano, apparently it's Dano. So I don't know. Um, but he's, he's an actor um, who's he's in films like Ruby Sparks, Little Miss Sunshine. He was, okay. He's a boy. He's in Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. He's a boy who like wants to be the pilot. Oh, okay. He's in a little, He's in The Will Be Blood, um, Love and Mercy, Swiss Army Man, um, Prisoners. Always a really sort of, very interesting actor. You know, sort of one of those kind of guys. That's his directorial debut. Um, the plot of the film essentially is a it's a, a family kind of essentially breaking down in 1950s, 60s. America. Okay. Um, the the father gets sacked from his job, and he can't find a new job, so he goes to basically fight fires in the northern part of California, of Nebraska. Um, at the same time, the wife at this point realizes this guy's not doing anything for me. He's, he's every time he gets a job, he loses a job, and I need to find another man. So she starts having this and comes up and starts searching for another man, regardless of who it is, someone who can take care of her and her four-year-old son. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anything you got Jake Gyllenhaal playing the dad, uh, you got Carrie Mulligan playing the, the mum, who's a great actress. Um, Ed Oxenbold is playing the, the young boy, fourteen-year-old boy, and Bill Camp plays sort of the other love interest in the film. So it's, it's a really good, solid cast. Yeah. Um, it's not what I expected from the film, and it's hard to say that because I didn't really know what to expect from it. But when I watch it, that's not really what I was expecting from it. It's an interesting study in, of, a, of a deconstruction of a, of a marriage and a, and a friendship, essentially. Yeah. And you sort of see, it's kind of set in the 1960s, you see her as sort of like becoming like sort of that, that new age woman who's sort of like breaking away from 
been tied to the kitchen, been tied to the home, being the being the perfect mother. Yep. And when she starts to break out, she goes a little bit crazy because the idea like, oh my god, I've got this freedom and I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing, the only, and if she was by herself, that would be totally fine. The problem you've got with it is you've got a fourteen-year-old boy there who's like looking at his mum, going, "Mum, what the hell is going on?" And he's trying to appease both the mum and the, the father. Yeah, so you get the mother, but he's trying to appease both sides of his family. He wants to try and keep his family together, but ultimately the, the family don't want to be together because it's like, the, 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 you can see right now they're splitting up, but it's just because it's 1960s America. Divorce is not really a thing. They want to be something more than that. They don't want to continue on. Um, as you expect, all really good performances from the cast because they're all, you know, Gyllenhaal, Mulligan, they're all, I think, Oscar nominated at least. Right, okay. So they're all, they know, so, and we, we're big fans of Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah. And he's not in it enough. He, he kind of disappears for the kind of final, maybe kind of middle of the second, third, to maybe the end, the middle of the third, third, if that makes sense. He's sort of, because he got a way to fight this fire in, in Nebraska. Okay. So he's, he's not involved in it, so it really is more about the son and the, the mother. Um, but still, when he's on screen, also very, very good. Um, it feels really ponderous at times to me. Like it's all sort of, it, it just it's it's a hundred plus maybe hundred and ten minutes long, right. but it earns. It, it feels like a hundred and ten minutes. You know what I mean? It's like it's, you don't ever feel any point of films moving quickly. It's a constant. Not I mean, I'm not going to say struggle because everything in it is very very good. Yep. But it just it just doesn't quite for me. Didn't really pull together. And I'm absolutely the minority because everybody else seems to give this Oscar nomination, Oscar buzz. Yeah. I just it just didn't it didn't. It didn't grab me the way I wanted to grab me. I feel I feel like it should have grabbed me a lot more. Do you think it's more the subject matter that's give people feel obliged to jump on it now? Possibly, and maybe if you came from a family that it, it sort of has that maybe this dysfunction in it that people yeah. you know with the mother and father maybe that maybe appealed. They maybe it, people can understand. I fortunately come from a pretty happy family. You know, my mum and dad didn't divorce. Mum and dad didn't. You know, it was always very kind of structured, happy family life. So yeah, yeah. maybe it, for me it's maybe more hard to engage in it in that respect. Um, but I can engage in other things, so maybe I don't, I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just, it, it's never really pulled together enough for me. And I guess I think I'm the minority of people who did seem to love this film. Um, Dano himself as a director seems very competent. He's worked with great directors in the past. So he obviously picked up a few things. What I did like what he did, which I was happy he did, was he doesn't move the camera for camera's sake. Good. It's an indie film, so he doesn't seem to, he, he lets a moment play out. Yeah, yeah. He seems to be, he's an actor's director, if that makes sense. So he lets actors fulfil the role. Yep. Doesn't, he doesn't push them, he doesn't, he doesn't do something flashy to try and make something more of a scene. Yep. He lets it play out. And that's, to be honest, there's very few directors actually do that now. He's let a scene play out mm-hmm. the way it should play out. And that, that was and that was kind of brave him. I really enjoyed that. The one thing I would say about it is it really lacks it, it lacks laughter, it lacks a comedic turn. And I'm not saying a film has to always be funny. But you feel like it needs something just to break the tension of it. Yes. This did not really have that for me. It, it, it was de- it was so heavy throughout that I was just like, like oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I need something else just to try just to break away from it a little bit. Yeah, lighten the mood out just yeah. just for like a minute. Yeah. You know, just so that so when it, when it has that moment, that when it becomes heavy again, it becomes even more impactful because you've had that moment of kind of levity. Yeah, yeah. And there really isn't any real levity in this film. Do you ever see like moments in the movie where you? Where you see the mum and dad getting along really well, or is it always just. Oh, you do, yeah, you do. Okay, yeah, cool. you do, because at the start of the film, you see that the mother is trying to be the dutiful housewife, and you can see she's supporting the hobby and everything he does. It's, you, you see, it's, you see, it's her story, but it's basically the story is sort of the two, it's the mother unfurling into sort of becoming this new woman, and the son seeing it all unfold. The father's sort of like, he's almost just passing through it, he's sort of like, the, the, he causes the issues, but it's not really involved in them for a lot of the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it's an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a Netflixy home viewing watch. Maybe not a cinematic watch. Okay. Um, it does look stunning. Cause you get like the Nebraska Montana landscape. It does look amazing. But if you want to watch it from, you would watch it at home and probably find a lot more engaging. Maybe watching the house rather than watching the cinema. Yeah, because you're comfy and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it demands attention. Yeah. Things. But um, give it a solid. I'm going to say seven. Okay. It's good performances. Well directed. The story is there, it's definitely there. I just didn't, didn't quite grab me in the way it should have grabbed me, I think. Just not worthy of a little gold man. Yeah, I'm, I'm maybe thinking as well, maybe if I saw it, maybe it, 
I just wasn't in the mood for it that day. Possibly. Which just happens, you know, you'll see something at me if you're in a certain mind frame. Yeah. That you, you, that's, that's where you are. It, it's, it depends on what kind of mood you're in at the time to go and see a movie. Yeah. And maybe this, this caught me at the wrong time. Every possibility. Every possibility. So, yeah, so yeah. It, but definitely, I think, worth a watch. I think some people probably will really embrace it in a big way. Yeah, yeah. Particularly uh, if you maybe do come from a family that has that dysfunctionality to it. Yeah, you can, you can maybe just. Maybe relate more to yeah, it. Yeah, you can, you can see it all playing out again. Mm. And your flashbacks come back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so have, have a look. And if you get, and you'll have a look and see if you judge yourself. But I, I thought it was a decent film, but maybe it didn't quite be good for me. But, yeah, worth a watch. We will see. We will see it Oscar time. I mean, you feel like every film comes out like say November, December. It's always like that. It's what the Oscar buzz. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you were saying there's like a formula to yeah, pick it up an Oscar. And I can see this film in one. Of, it's actors who Hollywood likes. It's a director that Hollywood likes. It's really made that's why it's the buzz as well. But like I said, I think anyone else I've seen reviews of it seem to love it a lot more than I did. So maybe it will get a, a, a Oscar push. The only, the only good thing about an Oscar push is that people will go and see the films. It'll be in the cinema longer. Yeah, yeah. That to make a film stick around a little bit longer there's a bit, a bit of buzz about it you know which is good did the Oscar? I think we spoke about this last year have the Oscars added a kind of like superhero job they've taken it away take it off which is good ok yeah um, yeah so on to the third film of the week which is one that is out in the cinema on it's a limited release but was in everyone's house on Netflix ok as of last Friday I think it was wasn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, the film is called Outlaw King. Yes. Which is directed by David McKenzie. Yep. Who is a Scottish director from, I think he's from Glasgow actually. Okay. Directed Young Adam, um, starred up, the one of the prison drama, um, Hell or High Water. See that one with um, Chris Pink? Really good film. Cool. Excellent film. Um, and this film essentially is the story of Robert the Bruce. Yes. From essentially the end of the Wallace era mm. in Scottish history. Yes. It's him essentially bartering with the English to try and basically regain his crown been sort of forced out by his own people yeah. and talks about having to go back as a sort of rebel to try and take back the land, reunite the clans of Scotland and ultimately try and throw off the tyranny of the English king. Yep. Um, it's a story we all know from high school, like high school, like we all learned it, but maybe there is all that only knows Braveheart and that's it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you look at me like Jill had the same look at me when I practiced window what the story was, she was looking at me going, what? I'm like, well, how do you not know this stuff? This is part of your history. But yeah. Any time in the film when they kept on riffing referring to him as the last rebel I just was sitting there thinking this is just like Star Wars but set in medieval Scotland <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, it's common to say this is Dinner of Dragons in Colin Colin people now I think people do mix up generally sort of historical drama like Game of Thrones <laughs> with actual historical fact and it's like, uh, don't get me wrong see in the bit when uh, the English king which I now forgot his name said Edward, to, the Edward the First said to his son about uh, Flying the dragon or raising the dragon or oh. something. I did get. Did you I, hope there's a dragon coming into it? I, I was <laughs> going to text you and say, "There's a dragon in this, albeit on a banner, but there's a dragon." It's <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the film. You've got um, Chris Pine. He plays Robert the Bruce. Yes. Uh, Stephen Delane plays um, Edward the uh, Second. No, he's Edward the First, isn't he? Sorry. Stephen Delane. Uh, oh. I think he's Edward the First, perhaps. No, he's think he's Edward the Second, is he not? Come on. Yeah, designs, designs. He is Edward the First. Edward the First, sorry. Um, we're, fa- Aaron, we're fact checking here. We're fact checking as we go along. Um, he's from Game of Thrones and the Hours. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who plays the um, who plays Douglas. Um, you've got Billy Howell, who plays one of the sort of lieutenants in it. You've got Rebecca Robain. Yes, she plays um, the Bruce's wife. Yes, and it's Queen well, Margaret. Queen Margaret. That's yes, so it's well done. Um, what do you think of it? First of all, are you a fan of Braveheart? As a Scotland, you have to say yes, I think, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But once again, it's been years since I've actually watched okay. it, so do I care for it? Would I watch it again? Probably not. Oh, one and done. For a big Scotland game, maybe watch it. Just, just, get, just get the blood fired up. <laughs> uh, 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 you know what? I actually really like this movie. Yeah. See, for being like a straight to Netflix movie or a Netflix branded movie. Yeah. I thought it was really well done for the most part. It, it, it had a budget. Yeah. Yeah, they put money in, was it? It could have done with maybe a few more like big open cinematics. I felt they were always cut just a ball here too short. Mm. You know, see if they could have just opened it up a bit more and just let the car... Wide escape. Yeah. Wide escape, yeah. Uh, the, well, we are very fortunate. The landscape 
looked phenomenal. Yes, it did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You cannot deny that. Absolutely. Yeah. The only my only bad thing about this was I found that them teleporting to places kind of fucked me off a wee bit. It was almost like they can't like, just well. Ultimately, they ended up uh, down at Loudon Hill. Down, and I'm down like, the road through, I was like, going, oh shit, I know that place. And I was <laughs> like, you've pretty much teleported. Like, there was no like, kind of build up to what was going to be the final. Like, it's a, it is a, I think from what, we've, what we are saying and what they're saying in the film is that they've, they've put the time scale down to maybe a few months, like yeah. six months. The actual time scale of this film should be about four or five years. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they have had to truncate. They did for dramatic effect, which yes. I, I, it's annoying from us as a historical point, but in reality, you go, I understand why they did that. It makes total sense. Yeah, it's just one minute they're in, like, hanging around Stirling Castle, next minute they're on an island, then next minute they're at Loudon Hill, you're like, whoa, that's, yeah. just, that's just quite a lot of jumping about for yeah. guys that are on horse but, and foot. Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying, yeah. That, that's my only but that's what We only know that because we know, we know the distances. Yes. If you're yeah. watching it as a layman who doesn't know anything about the Scottish geography, you go, right, fair enough, that's what it is. Or if you're from America or any other bigger country, you're like, that's just, that's, you know, that's nova. That's fine, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what did you think about it? I liked it, I thought it was really good. Like, yeah. I, I love Braveheart. Braveheart, I mean, but Braveheart is utter bollocks. <laughs> from a historical point, Braveheart is shit. But from a film of, like, sort of, um, of pure passion and pure sort of, like, na- like sort of nationalistic pride, it's a shit ton of fun. <laughs> this, I think, is a lot more. It's a more grimy, dirty, kind of unapologetic view of medieval warfare. Yes. It's, it doesn't take any I mean, now the Bra- Braveheart's battle don't feel many punches either, to be fair. Okay. But this, the few things that you like, and the rest you're going like, oh, Jesus, that is. Yeah. That is nasty. There's a scene with um, Bruce's brother, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, yeah. Like, that's a nasty, nasty scene. Yep. And you're like, oh, that did not need to be done quite a lot. And I mean, I think it was good they done it because they didn't shy away from it. That's the one in the castle, the yes. first person they killed. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was nasty. So, and I, I feel like it's a less. Braveheart for me was a very romanticised version of Scottish history. Yes. You know, fighting the blue face paint and the big bright kilts and the. Like this. this felt more like this, is a, this, is more, this felt more real, like how it should be. And because of that. The shadow of Braveheart still does kind of look kind of large over it, and it's trying its best to try and break away from Braveheart. Yes. But ultimately, that shadow still kind of is cast over to a great degree. Yeah. Which I suppose it's going to always, any film about this era in time is going to be always, that's always going to be there. Um, I thought Pine was excellent as, as Bruce. Absolutely. I loved him in Bruce. Um, his accent was pretty decent for most of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a kind of Ayrshireness to him, because Bruce apparently was born in Turnberry. Okay. So he's from Ayrshire, so he had a kind of Ayrshireness about him. I'm, 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 I can buy you as a, yeah, yeah. a boy from down that way, but a privilege. Um, he, he got naked when, like, Bravo him, you know, it's like, you know, it's a cold Scottish day, but the man looked impressive for a cold yes. Scottish day. Yes, Yeah, you know, so it's like, like Bravo, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, what I love about it, you mentioned it a little bit before, um, they use Scotland really well. Yes. Like they showed off Scotland in a way that would be brave up there. We all we all recognise the brave up was shot in Ireland. Yes. This is a child of shooting like the bits in Berry, that seems all across the bridge, there's yep. bits up north, there's bits down in Ayrshire, there's bits all around Glasgow. They use Glasgow Cathedral and Glasgow University at times as well. Yeah, you know, I was actually gonna bring that up. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's that scene and I recognised it straight away as uh, the killing. Yeah. When he kills him in the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I recognised that as being like the university, and I was like, nah. That's nice to use actual Scottish locations for the film. And I yeah, rather than just CGI it in and CGI or even shooting in Ireland, or shooting like, um, they shoot in Liechtenstein sometimes, or Luxembourg to make that go to Scotland. So I actually really, I actually really appreciate the fact that it's shot in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And it's good, this, this is part of this is our history, this is something that we, we hold very true. You know, Bruce is a national hero. Yep. You know, statues him up all over the country. You know, he's one of the, the garlands of Edinburgh uh, Castle. Mm-hmm. So he is, he's a hero of this country. So, the idea of shooting a film about him somewhere else felt wrong. Yes. So they should, they should be shot in this country. Um, I felt there was definitely a budget there, which I thought has been lacking for a lot of Netflix films. Absolutely. We've kind of spoke about this before. Yeah. And not only was a budget there, the budget could be seen. Absolutely. Whereas the budget in, like, say, something like Bright, yes. I didn't notice it, but I didn't know where the money was spent on that, Ooh. apart from on maybe CGI on Will Smith wages. That's in this awesome. film, you kind of saw like that there is an like, epic scale to it at the time. Yeah. Like, that particular last battle. Oh, is, well, you can see there's money spent there. Absolutely. Um, probably a negative of the film might be that the film ends. Kind of you want it to start a little bit. 
yeah. Like they don't, they don't go for the big, you know, every the battle everyone knows is banner comes. They don't get to that, you know, they, they stop it after the battle of, of Loudoun. Mm-hmm. Which is what, and they make point, this is, where the, this is where the tides start to turn on Bruce, this is where the things start to go right. Yeah, this is, this is after that they start hitting you with like a wall of text uh-huh. and just telling you what happens yeah. afterwards. But yeah. yeah, I know, I totally get it, I totally get it. Um, it wouldn't have been a bad thing if, they, half hour. if that was even like the middle of the movie. Yeah. And they, that fight the middle of the movie uh-huh. and then they end up, like you said, at the panic bomb. Uh-huh. But yeah. I think I think what they, they were trying to do is again with the Braveheart channel looming big over the battles in Braveheart, they want to try and make it more about the man of like he's sort of like a politician, do you think? He's making deals with the English at times, he's making deals with the Scots at times, he's sort of he's quite he's wily, he's sort of he's trying to get to the heart of who the man was and like why why he would do this, you know, mm-hmm. what made this important to him to try and like throw off this like tyrannical leader, you know, and uh, to try and get to a more personal aspect because his his reasons are a lot more muddled because, like in, the, in Braveheart, for example, the, it's obvious the English lord kills Wallace's wife. He's angry. He's fucked off. He's pissed off. He goes to war with him yeah. in a rebellious war. This is it's much more muddled. Like Bruce has not got that aspect to it. You know, he, he comes from a life of privilege already. Yeah, yeah. You know, so why would he want to try and you know to, to upset that in some way? Why would he want to go against his, essentially go against his creed? I mean, he's talking about breaking oaths and things like that. That has, that has meaning because he's before an oath to English king. You know, when he goes against that, that's an important part of him because in that culture, breaking an oath meant you're going to hell. You know, that it seems it's more, it's, it's different to what an oath is in our day and age. You know, it, it's, a, it's a bigger meaning to it. Yep. Um, directing wise, I thought Mackenzie was good. Like that opening shot, so the first twenty minutes is all one shot. Nice. Did you notice that? No, I. I I, I wasn't paying that much attention to notice that kind of stuff, sure. but uh, no, that's cool. Aye, so the bit, when, cool. The, the bit they're all looks like they're all pledging allegiance to the English king mm-hmm. to the point when he fires the, the trebuchet into Stirling Castle. Yeah. That's all one shot. Nice. Even the sword fight, and the, that was a fantastically well done scene. It's so much, there's so many moving parts to that yeah. scene of anything that could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, one slip and it's all over, one, you know, you, someone missed a mark, it's done absolutely like a really, comp, really well done. Competent scene is up really well done. Um, I did like the sick bum that uh, Edward the First gave to his son, and that was uh, when he said he was talking about how he didn't see him as being a king and all uh-huh. that, and how uh, the best he achieved was uh, capturing a few women. Uh-huh. I was like, ooh, ooh nasty. Sick yeah. bum. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah, I liked it. It's a, good, it's a good home watch. I'd like to see it in the cinema. I'm allowed to see it in the cinema. I'd like a good film to see in a big screen. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'd like to see Netflix do more of a wider release of films. Like, rather than just doing these sort of like art house releases and small screen, I'd like to see them do a big cinematic mm. release. And I think that's something like this, it, this film deserves it. Do you think it's coming? I think eventually they're going to get to that point. They're going to try and do that. Um, hopefully soon. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think they would do it because I think it deserves films. Like, films like this deserve to see in a big screen. Absolutely. It's a big screen movie. Absolutely. Um, I don't really understand the purpose of uh, caging up his wife. I thought, like, when she was putting the cage in the Malona, I thought she's getting her kin up and she's going to get drowned. Torturing her and torturing him, the fact yeah. she's still alive. That's the point. It's to, to, yeah. it's to bring him out of hiding as well. Yeah, it was just a very random thing. I did like Aaron Taylor Johnson in the film, he's Douglas. Yeah, he yeah. was badass. He was badass. He, yeah, the bit when they're, like, they're fighting the battle, and he's like, "Come on, you fucker!" You say, "I'm fucking there." That's cool. I like that. Like that felt. That felt very. It felt like he was channeling, like you know, sort of Glasgow night out at that point. You know, he's <laughs> 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 so, he'd hung about a few places in Glasgow. But, like, you know, I, that's, I'm going to go with that. Yes. <laughs> um, out of ten, would you give it? Did you take a drink of your pint? Sorry. Sorry, that's in between. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say seven and a half. I'm gonna go eight. Oh, I know we can't match, but I really enjoyed it. Well, I thought we are not matching today. No, I thought I really, I really dug. I thought it was a really, yeah. really good film, and I think it's one that people would, would really. Enjoy. I think people in non-Scottish territories will enjoy for the sort of almost Game of Thronesness of it. Well, I, I'm sorry, I was actually going to bring that up. I can't. It's probably part and parcel with the story, but I also like the fact that it wasn't very games. I th- like they didn't just get the boobs out straight away. That's true. Yeah, the, was... the boobs stay covered for a long bit. Yeah. yeah. That's what I kind of liked about him. He was like, even though they went through the whole like marriage ceremony, and then he's like, right, catch you later. I right. liked that about him. He was like, nice. Yeah, he'd be classy. Uh, he'd be classy, Robert. Then get the boobs out later. Yeah, and also they do keep calling him the Bruce, and the Bruce is pretty much the coolest fucking nickname on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, it is badass to be called that, you know? It's only a little, like, one man in history called the Bruce. Bruce. And that's the point, that's how cool he was, like, the, the Bruce. Like, that is so cool sounding. Um, but yeah, so 8 out of 10 for me, 7 out of 10 for you. Definitely a good watch. Uh, and on to the last film again it got a small cinematic release um, over 
uh, Remembrance Weekend. Yeah, over and it also it was out about like, two weeks ago as well. They gave it a bit release as well. Okay. So they got re-released over Remembrance Weekend, and that's a film called They Shall Not Grow, and um, directed by Peter Jackson. Yep, who did well, Lord of the Rings, you know, and The Hobbit. So the guy, the guy knows how to do a film. Uh, he's been about. He's been about. Um, this is his first documentary, actually. Um, okay. He did do. He produced a documentary about the. Is it the? What do you say? Texas Three, the one about the three the boys who killed the kids but didn't actually kill them. Oh, okay. Uh, years ago, it's a really a brilliant documentary. You okay. can to watch it. Um, this is essentially what he's done. In the, um, his company, Weta, have taken the so uh, this the, the black and white footage of World War One soldiers from like through training um, and the history of that and all through the trenches and everything, and they've sort of stabilised it, make it less shaky, and also they've colourised it. And also, they've sort of, what you might have noticed as well, they've added voice to it as well. They've taken different voices of either people doing interviews previously or they've done dubbing of it, of like people who share the same accent. Um, I thought this was absolutely stunning. Yeah, this, the footage from that era is horrific mm. enough that when you add colour, it just pulls you even further in. You're yeah. just like, whoa. The first movie, I'd say 15 minutes of a black and white. Yes. And it feels very much like one of those films you might watch in a, a museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah, you, know, you, know, you always get that week in a theatre in a museum, you sit and watch like, in a 15 minute film. Yeah, because it's obviously not widescreen enough. Uh-huh. And it's, it's that, you know, just a week in a thing. Then all of a sudden, what it does is it just bleeds the colour in, in this one shot, it bleeds the colour in, and it turns, expands to full widescreen production. And it's all in colour. And I put it on. If someone told me they went somewhere and reshot that, I'd have believed them. One hundred percent. Because it looks utterly perfect. One hundred percent. It's um, there was only maybe one or two scenes in the whole entire thing that I noticed that um, a bit of fuzziness. Yes. Yes. And that was it. And if that's all I noticed, then they've done an absolutely fantastic job. In yeah. My opinion. And like I said, and it, it, it goes without saying, this film felt important. Yeah, especially over that weekend, weekend as well, because uh, I don't know about yourself, but it was also on BBC Two in the yeah. Sunday night, so uh, that is Remembrance Day here in the UK, yeah. or in the world, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, so it was the perfect time to watch it in terms of just what it meant for us and everyone else, and also that day. So yeah. it was a whole day of that kind of stuff. Oh. So it, it more brought more to life the fact that this is a 100th anniversary of the yes. end of the, the, yeah, yeah. the war as well. Um, and also the sadness of like, there's no one alive from that war anymore. That, no. that war is now like, that is a dead war. Yeah, yeah. And it's it will slowly sink into the history of like you know the way we look at the Boer War or the Crimean War or any of any other previous conflict. Mm. This one will slowly just start disappearing as, as people kind of forget about it. And they shouldn't forget about it obviously, but it looked like I think beyond horrendous. On Fox, I don't know about yourself, but anytime we spoke about history in school, we always get. We always get taught about World War Two, yep. and a small part of my issues that we had actually learned about World War One as well, because I felt that that was an important war where it was essentially two teams of guys who were essentially fighting, but ultimately they didn't want to fight each other. No, exactly. You and know? I think the problem as well, World War Two has got very definitive good guys and bad guys. Yes, it's very obvious. As we all know, yeah. World War Two is a, it's a much more muddled sort of. It's, like you said, it's the guys who really don't want to fight guys who really thought, and it's also guys. Because you've seen the film as well. Sorry, you've seen the film as well that when the the British capture some Germans, they're having a laugh and a joke <laughs> with them, and then it even says in the film they start realizing that these men are just like them. Uh-huh. They've got families and all the rest of it, and they've kind of just signed up out of um, patriotism towards their country and stuff. So, and, and have a good time. I yeah, they felt like it was like they were off for a fun. One, one of the lines that just stuck with me in a kind of deeply horrifying way was um, I don't know who was speaking at that point so apologies for that mm. but he said it was like when there wasn't a lot of, kind of like fighting going on he says it was like going camping with yeah. your with your with your pals but with a sprinkling of danger uh-huh. and I'm like at no point war should ever be referenced like that ever yeah. <laughs> it should not be a holiday camp the thing that got me about it is in the start of the film it's the amount of guys who signed up who were boys yeah like 15 year old and not only did they sign up but like they go into the, the recruiting office but they say how old are you and go oh, I'm 15 okay right go out come back in and say you're 17 yes and you're turning 18 like next month or something uh-huh. that and when they were showing the footage when they were talking about that you did see a lot of baby faces oh, and you were like children essentially yeah and I was uh, 
And there was also that one fella who was 15 and he signed up, but then his parents found out he signed uh-huh. up. And then his parents wanted him back, and then the army people said to him, and they said, No, I don't well, want to go back. Aye, they see it, sort of an adventure, essentially. And also, you, you get bits you see in the film, it's, all, it's old world technology coming up against new world. You get the machine gun coming into it, you've got, but they're still on everyone's on horseback. Yes. Um, the Scottish regiments are still fighting in kilts. Yes. Which is utter insanity. Yes. But amazing to see. Chilly. Chilly. I don't you know, just like that. I mean, there's barbed wire out there, boys. You know, it's like, you know, maybe, come on. <laughs> protect him. Protect the assets, you know. <laughs> um, but just, it just, to me, it just, it just, it is a war that's always been seen in black and white, you know, and this just, it puts so much more context. And it sounds silly that something colour becomes more real, but it just, it felt so much more real. So, and, and, and it just felt more, yes, actualised at that point in time. Yeah, you yeah. see the bombs going off, and you hear the bombs going off, and you've seen that big gun they were using, the one that was firing the shells. Yep. And it's maybe about, actually about 40 yards back from that house, and it fired at all the slates of the roof come off. Yeah. You're like, they find they find like a hundred of them every two minutes. You're like, that. no wonder people went utterly crazy in Dulali. Yeah. Because I think that just the noise just seemed utterly incessant and constant. Because also, almost everyone there had never experienced this kind no. of thing before. Right. So it's like, it's like there's so many pictures out there as well right. of like you see guys with their pictures getting taken <laughs> in the trenches, and they are like you see that look on their face of just they are not there yeah. anymore. You know, and. That's probably why you've got this like crazy ass cannon going off and all that, and then getting bombarded from like their own team and also the enemy oh. as well. And you're like, what the fuck? But also, the film has also proved as well that if you put a camera on a bunch of 20 guys, someone will make a cock gesture, of course, someone will say hi, mum, of course, and, th- and everyone will just make sure we face the camera. Yeah, Which, and I like it's something nice. In fact, that's not changed in 100 years. No, <laughs> don't know why. When I think people still go for that, yeah. Um, I thought it was a, f- a fantastic piece of filmmaking. Absolutely. The only uh, negative I'd say about it, I didn't really, that maybe, it's not even a negative, it's like, it only focused on the British. Yes. Side. There was nothing in terms of the context of like, the Allies, because it with Peter Jackson doing it. I thought he might have done something with like, the Anzac soldiers, because you know, mm-hmm. they obviously, Gallipoli was a massive thing for them, and in fact they also fought in the Western Front as well. Um, I think he puts it in his dad, or his grandfather, grandfather great grandfather was in the... British Army. Yes, at that time. it was tributed to two fellas. Uh, apologies, I can't remember who they were. Yeah, but in, in, in great grandfathers, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah. that's something. That there was no real contact of the other Allied and, and forces. But yeah, and all, but I did like the fact that the film didn't have any sense of time. It didn't really sort of look both no. the like, okay. We're building up to the Battle of the Somme. Everyone knows every battle and every sort of scene was sort of like in a horrific way, all the same. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's what made it even sort of feel more like, sort of horrible. That this this drudgery of like it's the same every single time, you know. And it's like, um, but no, I thought it was a, an amazing piece of filmmaking. It's something that should definitely be made. It should be stuck. It should be allowed to stay around for as long as possible. Absolutely. And like you said, like with the passing of time as well, it's like, like when kids and all that don't really learn about this kind of stuff. I feel like it's only going to drift further and further away. From memory, yeah. And and that's a shame because I feel like this is. We should, kids and all that should always be taught about this kind of stuff. It should never be shied away from. Aye. It should be shown that as a species, we have never fucking learned, Aye. and we are never learning Aye. to stop fighting each other. And particularly over now, bullshit. And particularly nowadays, when like the world is getting sort of so divided, and, and like this sense of nationalism is coming back again, and it's, yeah. it's turning really nasty again. This is the end result of something like that. You know, yeah. this is what happens. It's shit like this, and it's something that really should not be forgotten. Um, and I think, really so, and again, I, I want to applaud Peter Jackson for making the film. Oh, that's for Peter Jackson allowing it to be shown on BBC over the Armistice Weekend. Yep, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic thing to do. And it did really, and I, I, maybe I know who. It's the first time I watched BBC television in about I'm going to say ten years, probably. Like, like not taping it, actually watched it live. Yeah, I recorded it just in case, but I watched it live as well. Yeah, so it's, it's, that's the first time I've done that. In God knows how long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've been out of ten. Nine. I'm, I'm, I'm scoring it high because one, the amount of effort that's went oh. into colorizing this yeah. thing. Like, I'm not. I have no understanding of how they've done it, but no. I feel it's not an easy thing no, to do. No, it's not definitely not. No. Especially the amount of effort that's went into like stabilizing the footage yeah. and slowing it down and yada yada yada. Yeah. So the process alone, but also just the fact that it should be hung around and seen 
and just the story about it all as well. You're just like, this is just a film. This is just people fighting who probably didn't really understand what they were signing up for. No, absolutely not. You know? And it gets across that. Yeah, I'm the same. Nine out of ten. If it only negative to me was the fact I didn't really touch some of allied forces, but other than that, I thought it's genuinely a brilliant piece of documentary filmmaking. Yeah. Genuinely important piece of filmmaking. It yes. should definitely be seen by hopefully schools will show it. Yeah, yeah. You know, in years Hope, to come. Hopefully, it ends up in that uh, time capsule of cinematic movies. Yeah. That I don't know. I don't know what the it's called. U.S. Congress has one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that name is for it. Oh. Uh, hopefully, it ends up there. Soon, aye, because it's never lost. Yes. But yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, that's that's us for this week in terms of um, movies we've seen. Mm-hmm. So next week we have out, we have got the next instalment of the Harry Potter prequel saga, The Fantastic Beast Crimes of Grindelwald. Sounds, sounds a delight. It does, yeah, it sounds beige as fuck, which is what the other one was. But anyway, we'll... Well, I've never seen it, so who knows? I might, I might try and take my niece to it, because she's a massive Harry Potter fan. So yeah. she, I'll ask if she's seen the first one, I might end up tagging along. We are mocking Harry Potter, I noticed the girl behind us has got a Harry Potter tattoo in the back of her neck, which is the episode when we should speak too loudly. Yeah, um, so we've got, um, that's out, Suspiria is out as well, which looks very weird and odd, which is a remake of a 70s film. Okay. Um, it's got a limited release this week as well. Um, out on Wednesday is Girl in the Spider's Web, which is a new film in the Dragon Tattoo like sort of yes, universe yes but I think it's a prequel isn't it sort of the look of it I, I haven't looked into it I just know it's in the same universe yes, I, I make the people not die okay. that's out there as well um, Robin Hood's out in ways but I think we'll probably be talking about that the week after because I don't think I'll to see that yep. um, and also on Netflix is a new Cone Brothers movie Ooh. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs okay. it's a great technical film and it's out, and it's out um, on Friday so that's one to watch as well so there's a film in big, big, big I mean I did a Cone Brothers film not the cinema, getting put straight into your house. That's it's what a time to alive. Is that exactly what a quite time to alive? And uh, Barry, you want to talk about where to find us? Yeah, all the usual social media haunts: uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Three Beers and a Movie. And I want to close the book on Volume One. As yes. we finish, finish the book off of the first book of notes on this. Beautiful. This Beautiful. Time. Uh, for the first book of Volume One of so, Three Beers Movies Now Shutting, um, and we'll talk next week. Yes. Bye. 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 Bye.